Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I'm going to talk to you as I open up this lesson about an event that happened about 28 years ago. I was a young pastor, and we have lots of young people in our church, but they're young and smart. I was young and dumb, uh, so I had, I had some issues. You know, I'm uh, very literal, as you know, and back then I did not know how to manage that. And so I, can o- I could only see black or white. I could not see any, there's no gray area in my life. So that got me into trouble quite often. And uh, so there was a woman who began to come to our church. I was teaching a series like I am now on faith, and I was talking about how faith moves God to be God and all these incredible things. And her mom was dying of cancer in the hospital, and she asked me to go pray for her, so I did. But her mom ended up dying, and I paid my respects at the calling hours of funeral. And then she came to see me several weeks after that, and uh, of course her heart was broken. And uh, we're talking, and she just looked at me and said, why didn't God heal my mom? And because I was young, dumb, and literal, I tried to give her an answer. And uh, it wasn't... I look now and I can't believe I gave such an answer, but I just said, you know, your mom didn't have strong enough faith. And I'll never forget the look on her face. She stood up, horrified look, and I understand why now. And she said, I'll never step foot in this church again. And she just stormed out of my office. Now, I was so young and dumb, you know what went through my mind at that time? Boy, it's tough to pastor and tell people the truth. I mean, this is a tough job. And now I look back and I'm horrified and I always hope she listens to the TV show and hears uh, messages like this. And today, if you haven't been with us, this is a series titled Faith for the Fight. We're talking about this incredible thing called faith. And last week we talked about how our faith literally can do incredible things. If we can believe all things are possible, faith moves God to be God and do, do His thing. This week I want to talk about what I call prayer failures, faith failures, because, you know, if, if you've been walking with God long enough, you have had prayers that have not been answered. And uh, you have prayed for yourself, for others, and haven't had results. And uh, you've had tough times. You've walked through the valley of the shadow of death with your finances at times, um, relationships. You prayed your heart out. Nothing happened. And I want to just help you understand how, how to live in that. And... Uh, this is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it just goes like this. Faith transcends failure. And there's a heavenly point of view and there's an earthly point of view. And I want to talk about both. And the heavenly point of view is absolutely amazing. You know last week how we were in Hebrews 11, which I, you know, all of us preachers call the, the hall of faith. It's like the football hall of fame. It's just God talking about the greatest men and women of faith in the Bible And we read about all these incredible things that people did. You know the verses right after that? They deal with the people that didn't have their prayers answered. And it's amazing when you see God's point of view concerning you and I. And so Hebrews 11, 37 reads like this. We have stories of those who were stoned, sawed in two, murdered in cold blood, stories of vagrants wandering the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world didn't deserve them making their way as best they could on the cruel edges of the world. And sometimes life can deal us some of of these things. 
Listen to verse 39. Not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. None of them received answers to their prayers, so to speak. But take a look at heaven's view. God's view concerning them is their faith was exemplary. They had exemplary faith. That's amazing. Down here we look at things and we think we failed. Up in heaven, God looks at it and says, man, your faith is amazing. You have amazing faith. And here's why. God doesn't look at whether or not you, your faith or your prayer is answered. He looks at whether or not you believed. And he's going to reward you for believing. And so God looks at us in our life of faith totally different than we look at ourselves in our life of faith. And I have come to conclude that there's no way to know why some things happen the way they do. When I was young, I thought I, I, thought I could figure everything out. But life has a bunch of pegs that don't fit in the holes of life. They just don't fit. And you and I just, some things we won't find out until we arrive in heaven and then probably won't even care at that point, but we'll know at that point. But what I've learned is God's perspective is, if you believe, man, he, he looks at you and says, your faith is amazing. And then God wants us to have a faith that absolutely, absolutely can triumph over failure. He wants us to have a faith that no matter what happens, we keep believing, keep loving, and keep trusting. And I think the three Hebrew children were amazing. And it goes like this. These three Hebrew children, they had King Nebuchadnezzar. They were slaves under him, but they, they worked their way up into leadership. He was a narcissist, and he built a gold statue of himself, and he said, I want everybody to just bow down and worship my statue. Well, these three Hebrew boys... There's no way they were going to do that uh, because they loved the God of the Bible and they knew they weren't to do that. So he calls them on the carpet. He says, hey, guys, I built this fiery furnace. I'm going to throw you in it if you don't worship me. You have to bow down and worship my statue. And I want you to see how they responded. And, and, and their response, you're going to see, they understood faith transcends failure. Uh, listen to Daniel 3, 16, 17. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not worried about what will happen to us. If we are thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. So that's what we talked about last week. Faith moves God to be God. I'm just saying God's going to deliver us. But, but they understood how faith transcends failure. Listen to the next thing they said, verse 18. But if he doesn't, Please understand, sir, that even then we will never under any circumstances serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have erected. And here's what they're saying. We're going to love God whether, whether he comes through or not. And, and that's the part of faith transcending failure I want to just take a look at because we know God looks and says, your faith is amazing. You didn't have an answer. You've gone through tough times, but you've stood your ground. You've believed. God says your faith is amazing. So how do we look at it? Hey, I don't care what happens. I'm going to serve God, love God, and live for God. And that's faith also transcending failure. And I like to compare it to baseball players. You know how baseball players, if you follow the game, um, 
somebody that's really good at, at hitting balls, at you know, batting, uh, they'll have an average of 300. That's like exceptional if they have a batting average of 300. But do you know that means they, that uh, seven out of 10 times they strike out? That means three out of 10 times they get a hit. And in baseball, that's amazing. And that's how I like to look at my prayer life and my faith life. I don't care how many times I strike out, I'm going to go back to the plate and I'm going to keep swinging and keep believing God and keep going after God. And I'm not going to allow the enemy to tell my mind to stop and to back off. I'm going to keep going after God. And that's what God wants us to do. That's what these guys are doing. And I think it's amazing when you come into the New Testament, you take a look at how Paul uh, dealt with things, what he said, what he didn't say. I want to read a scripture to you. 2 Timothy 4, 20 and 21, and it reads like this. Aratus stayed at Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Do not try to be here before winter. Eubulus sends you greetings, and so do Putin's, Linus, Claudia, and all the others. So for some of you young couples, you're going to have a baby if you were wondering what kind of name. But here's some good names up here. I like Eubulus. Uh, Putin's is also pretty cool. And Trophimus, awesome name, awesome name. So... I read verse 21 for one reason, just one reason, to show you that after he made this incredible statement, I left Trophimus sick at Miletus, he doesn't, it's a period, and he doesn't make one other comment. He just goes on and sends greetings and says, so-and-so said hi. That's it. He doesn't explain anything. And this really helped a literal preacher like me say, hey, there's just some things. We preach the truth, we teach the truth, and there's just some things we don't know why. I can tell you Paul prayed for Trophimus. I guarantee you he did. Paul, if you read the book of Acts, had an incredible healing ministry just like Jesus. And I, I'm sure Trophimus and Paul are still believing for God to come through. But he just makes a statement, I had to leave him sick at Miletus. And so I, I came up with this, four things 2 Timothy 4.20 didn't address. I think this is important. Number one, it didn't address why Trophimus was sick. You know, he didn't say why he, he, he got sick. And I grew up in, a, in, in some churches. The first uh, couple churches I went to, and their attitude was, if you walk outside the will of God, God's going to get you or the devil's going to get you. You have no protection. And so if bad things happen to you, a lot of times people would just look and say, you must have got out of the will of God for that to happen to you. And I used to walk around scared as could be. And every time I had to make a decision, I'm like, I remember trying to decide to go to Bible school. Is this the will of God? Isn't it the will of God? Should I? Shouldn't I? What should I do? It's like, well, is it going to hurt to go? You know, you just, but you're not thinking straight. And, and you're worried if I get out of the will of God, some terrible thing might happen. You know, Paul doesn't address that. He doesn't address anything at all like that. He doesn't say Trophimus sinned. He, he did something awful. And I, no, he... He was sick. I mean, God just says sometimes people get sick. We don't know why. That just happens. And, and uh, the next one is this. It doesn't address why Trophimus uh, wasn't healed. Uh, he didn't get into the thing, sometimes God heals, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes it's the will of God, sometimes it's not. Because Paul taught that God is a healer. He taught, you read 1 Corinthians 11, God wants to heal us. He taught it. He talked about it throughout the scriptures. And I just like the fact that he didn't at all talk about why he wasn't healed. I don't know why. I know he's going to keep praying and believing. And then he doesn't, he doesn't do this. He, 
He doesn't say whose fault it was. Paul doesn't blame himself, saying, I didn't pray and use enough faith. He doesn't blame uh, Trophimus. He doesn't blame anybody. He just says nothing. He just said, I had to leave the guy sick. And then I think this is amazing. He doesn't deal with the doctrine of healing. And Paul taught the doctrine. But he doesn't try to argue that, hey, by the stripes of Jesus, we're healed like we talked about in communion. He just says, hey, I had to leave the guy there and I wasn't able to bring answer to his prayer. But he doesn't say any, any reason why. And I think that's the attitude God wants us to have. Just keep swinging, keep serving God, keep believing. And why things happen, I don't know. Why things don't happen, I'm not 100% sure, but here's what I know. God's made some incredible promises and I want to keep throwing those out at us and I want to keep believing them myself. And I've watched God do some amazing things right after people walk through some terrible things. And I just want people to keep believing so God can do his thing in our lives. So last week we prayed for a ton of people. And a lot of you had questions. Some of you asked right at the altar. Some of you called in with your questions. And I want to do my best to try to answer some of those questions. Like some of you wanted to know, do I keep taking my medicine? Uh, Should I go to doctors? If I believed I received, should I go to a doctor? Is that hurting what I believed? And that type of thing. So I like to say it this way, do all you can do on your own. That's, you know, the Bible teaches you do everything you can do in and of your own power. Use everything that's at your disposal, whatever, whatever it is. And there's a cool proverb. Listen to Proverbs 18.9. He who is loose and slack in his work is brother to him who is a destroyer, and he who does not use his in- endeavors or actions to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. This is what you call a comparison proverb. Notice how they're comparing things. So I want the, the first part doesn't have anything to do with our lesson, but it will help you understand how to interpret the second part. Listen to what it says. He who is loose and slack in his work is brother to him who is a destroyer. So imagine your workplace. I'm going to imagine a, a shop of some type, okay? Imagine somebody at the shop gets a big crowbar. They go into one of the machines, and they just stick the crowbar into the gears, and gears break, and... We'd call that destroying, right? That's destroying a precious machine. It's hurting the company. The Bible says this. Somebody that's lazy is a brother to someone that would destroy. So God's saying if you're lazy, that's just as bad as sticking a crowbar into the gears. And so God here is just talking about how we need to be diligent, hard workers, and God looks at it from that perspective. Well, now he goes on to the other subject, and he says this. And he who does not use his actions to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. And very serious subject, but it's in the Bible, so we're going to work our way cautiously around this subject of suicide. And what he's saying is this. If you don't do everything within your power to get better, God says you're committing suicide in that area of your life. So let's talk about, and it's a slow suicide, but let's talk about it. Let's talk about somebody that's having relational problems. And you come up and you pray and you believe you receive that problem being solved, but then you never go to a counselor, you never make any changes, you never work on yourself. God says you're a brother to someone that commits suicide. He, sa- he says you're committing relational suicide. You just can't pray and then do nothing else. God says do everything you can do in your power. If, if you're having financial troubles and uh, you prayed and believed God for a good job, 
you know, you still need to go out there and you still need to knock on doors and you still need to go looking. And if you just sit and wait for God to open a door, it's probably not going to happen. But if you get out there and start knocking on doors and looking for work, you'll be amazed at how God can get in there and make some incredible things happen. So he's telling you, do everything you can on your own. It's the same with sickness and illness. You and I can believe we receive. That's awesome. There's no problem with that at all. But there's also no problem with taking medicine. There's no problem with going to doctors. Uh, sometimes we just, for whatever reason, you know, there's some things, you know, in my life, I've had to go to doctors for help, you know. Uh, five years ago, I had an umbilical hernia. And it's one of those things that wasn't super serious, you know. My, I went to my doctor, and he said, well, it's not going to, you, you can wait. He said, you don't have to do this right away. So I told him, I'm, he knows I'm a pastor. I said, I'm going to pray. And I said, let's see, let's see what can happen. And he said, sure. He probably laughed when I walked out. But, uh, but that's okay. And, and so I prayed, and I laid hands on it, and I spoke over it, and I just believed that I received a healing. And that baby just kept popping out a little bigger. And pretty soon you can see it through my shirt. And uh, so I went back to the doctor, and he sent me to a surgeon, and I had a surgery. And, you know, before I went into that surgery, I prayed, and I said, Lord, I'm just... I'm expecting the surgeon to have wisdom, guide his hands, and I'm expecting for a supernatural recovery, Lord God. And that's okay. That's all right to do. You know, Paul talked about t taking medicine, the medicine of their day. Uh, listen to 1 Timothy 5.23. He said this, Timothy, this is Pastor Timothy. He's a pastor like me. Drink water no longer exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. So Timothy's having some kind of stomach problems. He's dealing with some frequent illnesses. And wine would have been, you know, the aspirin or the Tylenol or, you know, could relieve pain and things like that. So Paul says, hey, use that as a medicine. The Bible's not against us using medicine. But I would encourage you at the same time, keep believing God and keep believing for a miracle in your life. All of us know who Joel Osteen is and a very famous preacher out of Houston, Texas. And uh, before him was his dad, John. And John, John built the church to 10,000. And I remember when I was a young preacher, he was on TV at 12 a.m. Uh, on, on Sunday mornings, actually Monday morning. But I'd wait up on Sundays and I'd watch him at 12 a.m. And he was an incredible preacher. And here's what he said about medicine. He said, I just want you to know I haven't had an aspirin in 25 years. No, sir, I take Tylenol. And... Uh, <laughs> We need some sensible preachers like that, right? We just do. And uh, it's okay to take medicine. It's okay to go to doctors. That's okay. But here's the attitude you want to have. Believe for the best. Trust God through the rest. God just wants us to keep trusting him and, and never stop trusting him and following him. And sometimes when our prayers aren't answered, it's easy to get mad at God. Sometimes we're just not sure. But then sometimes it's easy for us Christians to just kind of get upset with God and kind of shut our heart down concerning God and sometimes we just walk away from God. We still love Jesus. We know we're going to go to heaven, but we just kind of back off a little. And I want to encourage you not to do that. And I want to read some scriptures to you. The first is Habakkuk 3.17 because this is our faith transcending failure from our perspective where we're not going to back off. And listen to what it says. Even though the fig trees are all destroyed and there is neither blossom left nor fruit, Though the olive crops all fell and the fields lie barren, even if the flocks die in the fields, 
and the cattle barns are empty. So this is back when people made their living by farming, by growing crops. Guys, take a look at that. That's the worst your life could ever be. Everything is spelled in this person's life. And I like how he brings it out, even though. In other words, if all these things go wrong, today we could say this. If my relationship doesn't work out, if I, I have my boss come in, sit across from me, and say, hey, your position's no longer here, you don't have a job. If I have a bad report on my health and my prayers aren't being answered, if everything goes absolutely wrong, here's faith transcending failure. Listen to the next verse. Habakkuk 3.18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be happy in the God of my salvation. And here's what God's asking us to do. Don't worship me according to what's going on in your life. Worship me because I'm God. Just love me because of who I am. And that's faith transcending failure. And I have had some times in my life, just like many of you have, where that's been tough to do because everything's kind of falling apart and, and there's a lot of fear. Like, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know how this is going to play out. But the Bible's just teaching us, hey, that's the time when it's most important to raise your voice and worship God and love God because God is the God of the supernatural. He's the God that comforts. He's the God that can break us through. He's the God that can walk us through the valley of the shadow of death, the worst times. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll always be there. He'll always comfort us. And it's just good for us to keep worshiping and magnifying God. Now there's another scripture, and this is an amazing scripture. King David, who was king of all of Israel, was a great king. He had a son whose name was Absalom. Absalom, the Bible says, was very, very handsome. And he was super charismatic. And he was like a magnet. Have you ever met anybody like that? People just followed this guy. Had to have a lot of confidence. Definite narcissist. Just had some good things and some bad things. He led a coup against his own dad. He caused most of Israel to rise up against David. And they... They weren't just trying to kick him out. They wanted to kill him. Absalom wanted to kill his dad. How many of us can agree that's a bad day? That's a bad day. You know, you know what David did during that time? He's running for his life. He wrote Psalm 42. I love to read Psalms when I know why they were written and when they were written. He, read, he wrote Psalm 42. And, and listen to some of these verses. Psalm 42 and, and verse 3. It says, day and night I have only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? Think about it. He's running away from Absalom and this guy named Shimei, Shimei has these rocks and he's throwing rocks at King David who was just king a moment before and he's cursing at him and David's running for his life and he has other people doing the same thing and it's so bad that he's crying so hard, he's so hurt that he's just swallowing his tears, can't even eat. And then he says this, and this is where so many of us go, verse 4, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great uh, procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. And, and I've had moments like this where I think, I call it... Uh, the moment of innocence before any problems came, you know, and like last Sunday was so awesome and I worshiped God and I sang my heart out, 
Then Monday, the bad report came. The boss sits you down, you lose your job, or uh, your, 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 your mate looks at you and says, I don't want to be with you anymore, or your girlfriend, your boyfriend. It's just bad news. Or the doctor gives you a report. And it's so easy for us to say, man, I remember the good old days when I didn't have these problems. And it's so easy to focus on that and not do what we need to do, which is what David ends up talking about in the next verse. And he begins to encourage his soul. And listen to what he says in verse 5. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. And listen to this. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mazar. And this is where he's hiding. He's hiding and he's uh, fearing for his life. And he's at this place called Mount Mazar. And he says, even when I'm on the run and everybody's after me, he says, I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to praise my God. But here's what's fascinating. Mount Mazar, the word Mazar, do you know what it means? It means smallness. And I like that. And David's saying, hey, I'm at the smallest, I'm at the worst time of my life. I'm at Mount Mazar. How many of us have been at Mount Mazar before, huh? that place of smallness? And I'm at this place where everything's falling apart and my life is a wreck and I'm going through this awful problem. And he says, you know what? In a time of smallness, in a time when everything's falling apart, I'm going to do what I need to do. My faith is going to transcend my failure. And even though I don't understand sometimes, I'm going to raise my voice and I'm going to worship the God who is the God that sets us free, the God that walks hand in hand with us, the God that can actually work the miracle. And you know what happened in David's life? Even though all this happened, in Mount Mazar, he's worshiping God. He says, I don't have to be in a perfect condition in church to worship him. I'm going to worship him in the worst place in my life. I'm going to lift my voice up. You know what God did? God put him back on the throne. And I really believe God wants to put us back on some thrones. And God wants to take us from the worst awful place in our life, from the pit of pits, and lift us back up. And sometimes what happens is we have a failure and we give up on God and we give up on the very God that can lift us back up and take us out of it. So David's saying, hey guys, there's nobody that's going to be in a worse place than I'm in. <laughs> My own son's trying to kill me. <laughs> I've been kicked off the throne and I'm running for my life. I'm hiding at the place of smallness. But I'm going to trust God because God is a God of miracles. And I believe David's saying, guys, never give up. Never stop trusting in God. Faith transcends failures. And God's just down from heaven saying, your faith is amazing because you're believing in me during a tough time. And God's waiting to do something spectacular in every one of our lives. And so maybe some of you right now, you're at Mount Mazar. This is a time for you to lift your voice and magnify God and thank God. And maybe for others, you've been there and you're out and you know that God is God and you know that God never let go of your hand and you know that he walked you through some tough times. And it's just always good for us to look to God and say, man, God, I don't care what life deals me. I'm going to worship you, magnify you, live for you, love you, trust you. I'm going to keep going after it because the enemy wants me to back down. I'm not backing down. I'm going to finish my race. I'm going to live for you with everything I've got. Can everybody in this room say, thank God that God is God. Can we give a little shout, a little thanks to God? Just thank him for who he is. We love you, Lord God. We love you.
Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to bring out an incredible part of the Bible. Thank you for King David and what he wrote uh, by your help. Lord, thank you for Habakkuk. Thank you for Hebrews 11 and you saying our faith is amazing even when we don't get an answer that we want. Lord, grow us in this area. Thank you, Lord, that we can use every means available that this earth offers. Thank you for great doctors. Thank you for great technology. But Lord, may we never, ever stop believing you for miracles. May, th may this lesson be a lesson that keeps us believing you, Lord God. Always getting back up at the plate and swinging the bat, Lord. And I thank you for doing that in every one of our lives. Grow us from the inside out, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that anyone here at Mount Mazar, that this is a day of hope for them. And we thank you for hope flooding their soul. We thank you they're going to have King David moments in their life, Lord, when they're put back on the throne and put back into place. And we thank you for it, Lord. Guys, let's keep our heads bowed, our eyes closed, just for a moment more. Maybe you visited today, maybe you've been here a couple times, and you know, you're not sure if you're forever. We talked about it at communion time. Jesus died so we can live. He died so we can be redeemed. Awesome, awesome God. And Jesus said, whoever believes in me, I'll give them eternal life. So right now I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm not asking you if you were raised in a Christian church or water baptized as a baby or an adult. Those are all great things. But in and of themselves, there's no power there. The power is in you believing and giving your heart to Jesus and having a God moment where you say, Jesus, I believe in you and I'm going to follow you. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember that moment, but man, my heart is open. I want to accept Christ today. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help us out? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day... I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe and I receive you today as my Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.